Sometimes life is difficult and you just need a hand to lift you up. The Bible is full of those helping hands, but how do you access them? How do you apply them? Join our weekly conversation and think about the Bible like you never have before. Listen, watch, and interact with us at ChristianQuestions.com. You're listening to Christian Questions. Here's Rick and Jonathan. Helen Keller once said, Walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, we thank you for joining us today. This is a contact-friendly format, and we welcome your thoughts via email, messaging us at ChristianQuestions.com, Facebook, and our website chat board. So, Jonathan, what's our topic for today? Well, Rick, our question is, what does true friendship look like? Our theme text is found in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Kind of sounds like you. <laughs> Thanks, bud. <laughs> Back at you. <laughs> so the question is, what does true friendship look like? BFF, best friends forever. These three words conjure up an image of connectedness and loyalty that any one of us would want to be a part of. Sadly, it's an image that for many will only ever remain a thought and never become a tangible reality. So why is that? Why are so many of us on the outside looking in when it comes to true and profound friendship? At least one set of problems may begin with the way our social environment is structured. Social media actually teaches us to be acquainted at a distance, to be engaged without actual interaction, and to be friends by clicking, posting, following, or sharing, all done as we gaze into that little electronic screen. True friendship requires so much more, and true friendship returns so much more. So let's look at some ways that we can give and receive friendship the old-fashioned way, person to person. It just might make your life better. So Jonathan, it's about true friendship. And, uh, you know, when we just got on and we were doing our, our, our pre-podcast conversation, one of your first comments was, good subject. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, friendship is a big, big, big deal. So coming up in tonight's podcast, there are three absolutely critical factors that are present in every single successful relationship. We're going to go over these three elements one at a time and find perspective on how to include them in our own relationships. You want to hear all three. Next, how far should a good friend go for you? We're going to talk about a little-known biblical example of someone who really defined what going the extra mile looks like. Now, there's lots of biblical examples everybody's heard of, but this is one that most of us haven't heard of. What this person did was true, a true example of friendship and loyalty. And finally, we're going to unlock the basis of long-lasting relationships. Jesus specifically walks us through the steps to position ourselves to be great friends to others, and he actually includes those three basic elements three different times as he describes this to us. So first, though, Jonathan, we want to start out with, how do we become God's friend? And that's kind of an odd question to ask. 
Uh, before we get into that particular question, we do want to go to a soundbite from the three requirements of all healthy friendships. Uh, this is Shasta Nelson. She's giving a TED Talk. And we're going to refer back to her because she lays this out better than anyone I have ever heard in relation to just making friendship understandable. And she calls it friendtimacy. And we'll, we'll get into that as she explains herself. Our world is fractured by an epidemic of loneliness. And I'm not so worried about the stereotypical recluses and hermits that we kind of tend to picture when we you know, think of that word. I am more worried about the vast majority of us in this room who are lonely and don't acknowledge it, who may not even recognize it in our lives. You know, we often think, I can't be lonely. I know more people than I can keep in touch with. And yet, we report feeling largely unknown. We know more people than any time in history. And yet, we feel very much like we have nobody to confide in. Our social networks just keep growing and growing and growing. And yet, so too do our doubts about whether we actually have a safety net and who would be in it should we need it. Modern-day loneliness is not because we need to interact more. It's because we need more intimacy. So she brings in an interesting phrase that we want to keep coming back to. She says, you know, we need more intimacy. And Jonathan, typically when we think of intimacy, we think of marriage. That's right, husband and wife. That's right. right. There's much more to intimacy than that. In friendship. Right. And we we need to put that on the table and say, do you have intimacy in your friendships? And we're going to discuss what that all means. There's a great quote, though, to start with by Charles Kingsley. It is only the great-hearted who can be true friends. The mean and cowardly can never know what true friendship means. And you had mentioned that you had something specific you wanted to say right here at the very beginning. Absolutely, Rick. When I first read about this subject, my spouse was the first person that came to mind. um, And my wife, Jewel, is my best friend. She's my gift from God. And I am... So grateful for her and uh, so much in love with her. I can, I see how much love she has for me, trust, strength, her support, her forgiveness, her kindness, and Rick, her many sacrifices. She helps me uh, believe in me and encourages me. I don't know what I would do without Jewel. She is a true loyal friend. You know, and as I have known you for a good portion of my life and known the two of you, I was there at your wedding. I was your best man. You were indeed. Um, I can attest to that. I can attest to the, the incredible friendship that the two of you have developed. It is a it is a wonder to look at, and it's an inspiration. So well-placed to get this conversation started. So thank you, Jewel, for getting us off on the right foot. <laughs> but, you know, Jonathan, we want to look at friendship now from a, a different perspective because friendship can come in some unlikely forms. And we thought we'd start with this because it's, it's just different. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 5 through 7. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And he said, O Lord, the God of our fathers, are you not God in the heavens? Are you not ruler over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand so that no one can stand against you. 
Did you not, O our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give to it the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? Now, that's an interesting statement. He, Jehoshaphat, calls Abraham God's friend. You know, you don't think about that too often. Like, who's friends with God? Wait a minute. God is, is bigger and better and stronger and omnipotent. How can you be friends with God? And yet, here, Jehoshaphat is saying that you gave this all to Abraham, your friend. So, so you, you wonder, the first thing you wonder is, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that word friend mean? So, what does it mean? Well, Rick, it means an associate more or less close. Okay, so it can be uh, someone associated or someone very close. And then if you go down into the, uh, into the um, uh, lexicon, what does it mean? Well, it means friend, companion, fellow, another person. Friend, intimate, fellow, fellow citizen, and another person. So you've got, so you've got, a, you've got a, a lot of things here, but the bottom line is Abraham was God's friend. And, you know, when we think about the life of Abraham, one of the things you want to look at is how he spoke to God and how God spoke to him. And there was a, a, a back and forth that was really, really unusual. And Abraham was willing to do anything for God because he knew that whatever he did, God would overrule, you know, for his, his best benefit. What trust yeah. there was. You know, and, and that's a big lesson in friendship. So, you know, friendship can come in some unlikely forms. Being friends with God, maybe you haven't considered that. But maybe we should begin to consider how do we get on friendly terms with God? Now, I'm not suggesting that we can just go, you know, God's going to be your best buddy. But how do you get on friendly terms with God? And so let's let's kind of focus on that as we move forward a little bit. And the interesting thing is, this is not the only time that Abraham is, is, is discussed as being friends with God. Uh, James 2.23 actually basically repeats this. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. So it's not only mentioned in the Old Testament, it is revered in the New Testament. And that's big, because it gives you a sense that Abraham had this connection with God that was something that was, was incredibly valuable and, and, and very unique. And Rick, I love the New Testament definition because it really is personable. I okay. love it. It's properly dear, that is a friend, actively fond, that is friendly. Isn't that neat? And, and, and that's, so that's kind of, and the reason we're starting with Abraham being a friend of God is because now we've got friend on the table and what we want to do is develop that. And we want to ask the question as we go through this, this podcast, how many friends do you really have? No, 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 not friends on Facebook, not, not associates, not people who you know, but true, deep, intimate friends. Now, most of us maybe don't have any or have a few. It's good to have a few. It's very difficult to have lots and lots and lots of very intimate friends. But we all really need some along the way. So let, let's go back to Shasta Nelson and her TED Talk on friendtimacy, the three requirements of all healthy friendships, because she talks about these three things, and we're going to get into them uh, as the podcast unfolds. And it helps us to understand what we should do, what we should be, so that we can attract this kind of deep, intimate friendship. 
the vast majority of us have never taken a class on how to build relationships. And so I went and I compiled, uh, like when you look at all the social scientists and what they're studying when they look at what bonds any two people, who we can fight in, what makes two people best friends, how, what makes for a healthy marriage, what builds trust, three common denominators emerge. And it's like a formula. You have to have all three. You can't just have two of them. And so I want to unpack all three of these. And I use what I call a frentimacy triangle so we can see how they fit together. Okay, so she's going to unpack them and we're going to let her unpack them and use her unpacking to help us put the friendship uh, equation together in our own lives so that we can look for, find, and develop that kind of true friendship. You know, Jonathan, you were, you were talking about that New Testament word where it says that, you know, Abraham was called a friend of God and, and how yes. sensitive it is. Well, it it's really is. very similar to the word for brotherly love because the Greek word for that word friend is philos. And the word Philadelphia is the same base. And, and, and that is what we've always determined brotherly love. And it's funny that Philadelphia is called the city of brotherly love. And I say it's funny because, you know, a lot of times the, the perspective of Philadelphia is not so brotherly love-like. But that's Philadelphia. That's what the word actually means. And, and Rick, it's like a, a fraternal affection, a fondness. And, and it's really common, you know, with families and teams, because, I mean, you know, like football players, football right. teams, they're brothers, they're, they're working together to, right. towards their goal. Um, the military, I mean, they are true brothers, aren't they? Yeah, well, and, you know, my son being in the Coast Guard, I can tell you that, you know, there's this bond that is unbreakable. And the key is, I've got your back and I know you've got mine. If you don't have, and, and we're talking life and death. Wow. So if that's you, loyalty. And if you don't have that loyalty, you hesitate. And if you hesitate, it usually doesn't come out well. So so you know, gangs even have this kind oh, of Oh, that's a good point. That's a good friendship. Point. This this loyalty that I'm in it with you. You and I are here together. So it's it's common to all, uh, because it's a form of give and take. It's a form of protect and be protected. It's expressed in the like you said, in the I got your back sense of loyalty. So what we want to understand is that's where friendship really, really finds its, its strength and roots is in Philadelphia, in brotherly love. And, you know, there's another higher form of love, the agape love that we always talk about. That's benevolent love. This is very different, but this is very necessary. We cannot really be benevolent with the higher form of love unless this love exists. Good and, point. And, and I like works. that. They build on each other. Right. Um, you don't want one and, and throw out the other one. Right. You, you are an unbalanced individual if you would do that. So, so 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9 is a good example of Philadelphia in scriptures. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. So have compassion, love as brothers, Philadelphia. Have that brotherly love that is protective and loyal, and I've got your back, and if I'm going to be you know, in a, in a trench somewhere, I want you next to me. 
you know, that's the kind of brotherly love that we, we want to, to, to be able to, to have and to share. And, and, you know, you can have that as well as the higher forms of love as well. And, and, and look, you know, in terms of that, you know, Jonathan, you and I, we go way back. We do. And if I was in a, in a fight, I would want you right next to me. <laughs> I absolutely would want you right next to me. Be- oh, definitely would want you in my corner. Because there's a loyalty that has been built over years and experiences and triumphs and failures and growth and falling down and getting up and mutual encouragement. And you have this attachment and that's part of what true friendship is. There's so much more that we need to cover. So each segment, Jonathan, we're going to have at least one friendship's foundation. What's the foundation here for this first segment? Well, Rick, godliness is always the best place to start when developing true friends. Okay. The best place to start is to be friendly with God. Godliness, living a life that is trying to be pleasing to God is trying to be friendly to God. That's the place where we can start to develop any other real, true, wonderful, great, powerful friendships. I got a great little story to tell at the beginning of the next segment. But before that, though, it seems like being God-friendly is a basis for establishing all of our other relationships. If God extends friendliness to those who follow him, then what does that do for our relationship with Jesus? You know what's great about subscribing to Christian Questions on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. You receive a push notification reminder every time a new episode is published. Plus, it's a good thing to binge listen to several episodes in a row, really easy playlist features, and you can auto-download new episodes to your phone every week. So subscribe today. Now let's pick up the pace for tonight's topic. Real friendship comes on many different levels, depending upon the role that we're in. Jesus' role with his disciples was unique because he was in many ways above them, perfect and the Son of God. However, Jesus was also like them, being tested for absolute fidelity to the will and ways of God himself. So we are in this segment going to be looking at the friendship that Jesus has for us. And, and, and again, Jonathan, sometimes we're not sure about the friendship part. You know, we look and we praise Jesus as Lord, and that's appropriate, and we need to be doing that. But there's more to the relationship than that, and we want to try and uncover that uh, in this segment. Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. <laughs> Well, you know, uh, and, and, and I would like to take issue with the second part of that a little bit. You know, I've got a brother, uh, and, you know, growing up, of course, you have the difficulties and the, and the trials and tribulations. Uh, and, but my brother, I'll tell you what, he is one of the most loyal, finest individuals you're going to ever meet anywhere, anytime, under any circumstance. And if I was in a fight, I'd want him on the other side. <laughs> oh, for sure. He's a great guy. Great, great. And, and so, you know, and again, that takes development. It's not something that's natural or easy. Friendship isn't easy. You know, when you friend somebody on Facebook, you click a button. That's not friendship. We need to get down into what it means. So remember, in Shasta Nelson, with her TED Talk on friend to the three requirements of all healthy relationships, she said there were those three things. Let's introduce the first one so we can get on with how do we build really strong, intimate friendships. 
And at the beginning of all of our relationships, the first requirement is the letter P, and that is positivity. Because how many of you woke up this morning and thought, I wish I just had a few more cranky, whining, manipulative people in my life that made me feel like I was never doing enough. When we want friendship, we want the reward, we want joy, we want to feel good, we want, this comes from smiles and laughter and kindness and acts of service and empathy and uh, validation, gratitude, affirmation, all those things that leave us feeling accepted. And let's be clear, this does not mean we have to be Pollyanna, we still get to cry on each other's shoulders, and we still get to vent and complain, but social science is telling us that every relationship to stay healthy has to have a ratio of five positive interactions for every negative interaction. So that means for every withdrawal you're making from your whining and complaining, you have to be making five deposits of joy and reward. Now, she says that's science. And that's... Five to one. That's scary science. Because, see, what it requires is putting in so much more than you whine and complain and take out once. When you take out once like that, you've got to be putting in five times the amount. And, you know, the putting in is not lip service. It is real, true investing into that friendship account, if you will, so that there is something of great value that can be drawn from. So positivity is the first requirement of any intimate friendship. Good quote from Yolanda Hadid. I have learned that friendship isn't about who you've known the longest. It's about who came and never left your side. And that's really, really powerful. It's not necessarily longevity that helps, but it's who's there no matter what's happening. And and Rick, that reminds me of the word loyalty. Yes. Yeah. And and we just did a, a podcast on loyalty not too, too long ago. Yes. And, you know, the idea of loyalty and friendship, the two are, are bound together and cannot be separated. And, uh, you know, we need to understand how to apply loyalty, especially loyalty to, to truth and to goodness in relationship to our friendship. Because, you know, sometimes our friend might be making bad choices. Then what do you do? And we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know, when we talk about positivity, let's look at Jesus as a friend. Okay, what did he bring to the table? And, and, you know, here he is, and let me put this next scripture, this is Luke 7, 31 to 34, this is a little context. You know, the, the Pharisees looked for ways to just make him look bad. You know, they, they, and they, were, they were really good at fake news, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially when it came to Jesus. They, they wanted him to look bad, they wanted to trip him up, they wanted to make it look like he wasn't a, a spiritually-minded individual. And so he's, a little, he's upset with them, because they're, 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 they're taking what he's doing and who he is out of context, and that's the reason he's going to say um, the things he says in, in, at the beginning of this, this particular quote, Luke seven thirty-one to 34. To what then shall I compare the men of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another. And they say, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine. And you say, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So, you know, he, he's saying that we can't win 
in your eyes. And that was true. They couldn't win in their eyes because the, the, those individuals had decided that Jesus and John were enemies. And, and Rick, it comes down to they are children. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It really yes. does. Yeah. They they wanted to 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 play the tune to make Jesus dance to it, and when he didn't, they rebelled, and he and he and he took them to task on that. But it's interesting. He says, you know, you call me a gluttonous man and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And the beautiful thing is, Jesus was a friend to tax collectors and sinners, and his friendship to those lost individuals was for the purpose of giving them hope. That's what he was about. The friendship that Jesus brings is friendship of hope, it's friendship of opportunity, it's friendship of direction, it's friendship of growth, and it really can change your life if you begin to look at what Jesus offers us as that which comes from a friend. He brought positivity to everyone who would accept it, and he also brought so much more. So, so Jonathan, in, in this podcast, what we wanted to do for the, the balance of the podcast, this segment and then the following three, is take a little bit of music and just put the music to the friendship because a lot of friendship has that emotionalism part of it. And, and that's a good thing. Philadelphia, brotherly love, has that, that emotional bond. One of, the, one of the pieces of music that I think of when I think of Jesus is a song that was written by Paul Simon many, many years ago, Bridge Over Troubled Water. And so we're going we're gonna to be taking a, a listen to parts of that song sung by John Legend. Okay, we're going to do the first verse here, but again, to me, Jesus is a bridge over troubled water. That's what his friendship brings us. When you're weary And feeling small When tears are in Your eyes I will dry them all I'm on your side Oh, when times get rough And friends just can't Can't be found Like a bridge Over troubled water I will I don't know about you, but I get goosebumps when I hear that. I love that song. It, it you know, it just it, it just helps to put things in a very powerful perspective, and it makes us understand that we're small, but it's okay because Jesus is so much bigger than we are. Matter of fact, he's so much bigger. Let's look at Hebrews four verses fifteen to sixteen. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses 
but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, see, Jesus provides life-altering positivity there. He gives us the ability to go to the throne of grace before God Almighty, and it says he understands us. If that's not positivity, I don't know what is. Amen. It's a powerful thing. So what's friendship's foundation here? Jesus extended good news, friendship to any and all who would accept it. There is no better way to establish a positive basis than with his father's everlasting plan. So he extended good news. He extended friendship. He understands our weaknesses. That's the positivity of the friendship of Jesus. Now, we're going to develop the friendship part in a moment. Let's go back to Shasta Nelson with her TED Talk, Friend to Missy, the Three Requirements, and go to the second piece, the second requirement of really strong friendship. The first is positivity. What's the second? The second requirement, the letter C, is consistency. Because we've all met people we enjoy and are positive and have fun being around. But if we never saw them again, that wasn't a friendship. Consistency is the hours logged. It's the history we build. It's the time we spend together. This is where we make rituals and we create patterns. We increase our interactions. This is where we get to know each other. Uh, This is actually, as we put consistent time in together, this is actually how we build consistent, uh, we start knowing what consistent behavior looks like. This is where trust happens, this one. When we say, I want to trust somebody, we don't ever want to feel like we're walking on eggshells, meaning we don't know how to predict how you're going to respond. We feel safe when we can predict, and we can predict by we have created a pattern and we spend more time with each other. This is actually the one that made friendship feel automatic when we were kids, because school was consistent. And this is the one we still end up building relationships at work, at school, at church, and associations because our consistency is automatic. You wouldn't pick those people to be your friends if you had a lineup of 20 other options. You're friends with them because you have consistency with them and you end up building these other two components in. You know, and that's really powerful to think about that because when you have consistency with somebody, there, it creates that common ground. And the positivity is the drawing factor. The consistency is the staying factor. So it's really, really important to have consistency with those we want to be truly friends with. So let's take... And Rick, these aren't just good friends. These are intimate friends. Right, right. Intimacy in friendship is missing. It's missing in action. And that's why most of us are lonely because we don't have that intimacy in our friendship. We need to develop it. Jesus showed us on the world stage what a true friend is and does. This next verse, Jonathan, these verses really are very, very powerful. John fifteen twelve to 16. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Rick, this verse just blows me away. Jesus just shared with his disciples God's own words. This is the creator of everything. 
you know, did that sink in hmm. yeah. when he spoke these words to him? This is from the creator of all things. Wow. Yeah. And, and you what, know, what, what a friend, Rick. What a friend. That's the greatest friend you could ever have. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays down his life for his friends. And not only that, but as a bonus friendship thing, I'm going to tell you everything that the fathers told me. So there is an intimacy that Jesus presents to those around him. Did they take it? You know, they did after a while. They had to learn how to. Laying down his life was not just the sacrifice at Calvary. It was his everyday obedience to God, his expression of his undying friendship. That's what his laying down his life was. Well, Rick, that's what Hebrews 5, 8 brings out. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. Right, right. Let's go back to another verse of Bridge Over Troubled Water because that's the picture, in my mind, of Jesus. When you're down and out When you're on the street when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part. Ah, when darkness comes. Now read verse 16 of John 15. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. That is what a true friend does. He gives you opportunity to to be better, to grow, to, to have better relationship with God. And really, any friendship that brings us closer to God truly brings us closer to God, is a valuable friendship. He not only showed us what and how, he clearly commanded us uh, as to, to follow his own example. Quickly, very, uh, very quickly, Hebrews 12, 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, you fix your eyes on Jesus and his example. You watch him because he sat down now at the right hand of the throne of God. And he is there. And it says that he's your friend. Don't take that for granted. Cherish that. Create an intimacy with that so you can create an intimacy friendship-wise with others. What's friendship's foundation point here, Jonathan? There is no greater consistency example than Jesus. Our lives will be magnetic to others when we stand for the positive plan of God and live it 
with daily consistency. Okay. No greater consistency than the example of Jesus. Period. End of statement. That's what we need to focus on if we want to have truly strong friendships. So if Jesus is calling us his friends, we really need to focus on being worthy of the trust he puts in us. How do we apply the ancient friending of Jesus on our behalf towards others who follow him? We're excited to be hearing from our growing listening audience at ChristianQuestions.com through Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also chat with us now during the live broadcast. You know what would be really awesome? If you can leave us a review when you subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and others. It helps us reach even more people. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing. Now, let's take the next steps in our comprehensive conversation. It's here is where the seeking and securing of true deep friendship takes on a stronger and more profound meaning. When Jesus owned positivity and consistency in place, we now drill down to another level. This is the level that solidifies friendship. Without this level, there will always be doubt. And when there is doubt, the intimacy of a friendship is in jeopardy. So we need to get down to the next level. Uh, Proverbs 18.24, Jonathan. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And that's our theme scripture. And, you know, it's so important for us to uh, understand that intimate friendship is a good thing, and intimacy is a word that we had better start applying to friendship instead of just a romantic relationship, because intimacy and friendship is critical to our, our well-being as human beings and as Christians. Let's go back to um, Shasta Nelson for the third piece of the puzzle. We have positivity, we have consistency, and now... A lot of us have relationships that we enjoy, the positivity, and that we do things on a regular basis. But without the third requirement, it's not a healthy friendship. And the third requirement is vulnerability. Vulnerability is where we share where we reveal, where we let people in and let more of us be seen. I teach five different types of vulnerability in my book, but suffice it to say, it's not just sharing the skeletons in your closet, the insecurities and the shame. It's also talking about what's going well and, and your successes and risk bragging to your friends. It's also sharing our history, our dreams. It's being able to articulate what we're feeling and ask for what we need from somebody else. That is tremendous vulnerability. Because at the end of the day, for us, we want to feel loved, and we only feel loved if we feel known, and we can only feel known if we actually share ourselves. Do these three make sense? These are the basis of every single relationship. You have never built a healthy relationship without these three things. Well, there you go. So vulnerability, and, and this is the one that's like, oh, do I really have to? And the answer is, oh, yes, you do, <laughs> because it's so incredibly important. Quote from Arnold Glasgow. A true friend never gets in your way unless you happen to be going down. And that's such a great quote because it gives you the sense that they are really looking out for your uh, best welfare and, and so forth. And, and Jonathan, you know, I mentioned that I wanted to just tell a quick little story last segment, didn't have time. But uh, Trish and I celebrated our 38th uh, wedding anniversary this past week. 
And uh, congratulations, thirty-eight years. You know that's a that's awesome. a long time. And we were at we were at a restaurant and we we're we we're sitting down and 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 the waitress comes by and we mentioned it was our anniversary and told her it was thirty-eight years. And her response was, "Wow, write down your secret." So I thought about that through through dinner. And when we got the, the, the bill, I turned it over, and on the back, I wrote down three of the secrets. And uh, I wrote down, you know, first, the first secret to a wonderful marriage is, is to uh, have faith in God. The second secret is to ha- live with great integrity. And the third secret was to listen as though your life depends on it. And I gave her the bill, and I said, on the back are three of the secrets. And she looked at it, and she read them, and she says, I'm going to keep this with me. So when I find my husband— so she's not married yet. I will have. I will. I will have a basis, you know, and and, and you know, it just was a, was a great example, a great opportunity to be able to just give something that I've been given. Because you know, you had talked about your wife earlier as being your best friend, and Absolutely. and for me, Trish is my best friend. And you know, I'm not one to become easily vulnerable, uh, except with my wife, because there, that's where. Things can get torn down and then rebuilt, and she's always going to be there to put the pieces back together, and that's such an important thing. That's what a true friend does. Jesus, we talked about Jesus' friendship last segment. Jesus loved Saul of Tarsus, even when he was doing evil things, and he got in his way to convert him. Remember that quote, a friend doesn't get in your way unless you're going down? Well, Saul was going down, Jesus got in his way. Saul then lived in vulnerable service. Let's look at Acts, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. He says, I labored even more than all of them. And some, you might, some might read that and say, wow, he's pretty proud of himself. But that's not what he was saying. He's saying, first of all, the grace of God labored more with me. Why? Because, Jonathan, he didn't start where the other apostles started. He started lower. As an enemy. Yes. And so he needed the grace of God to work extra hard in his life to bring him up to a level where he could serve well. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful thought to look at uh, the Apostle Paul and see how low he was and how he had to be lifted up. And, you know, just very, very quickly, a side point on this before we get into the friendship thing. The Apostle Paul was a replacement apostle. That's right. He replaced Judas Iscariot. And Judas betrayed Jesus. Judas was not a good friend. Judas had the same issues as the Apostle Paul. There were things in Judas's life that were off. They were wrong. Judas had the opportunity, but didn't take it. So it's interesting that the replacement for Judas came from the same difficult area that needed that extra dose of grace. And not only did he take that grace and use it, but he made that grace be so powerful in his life that it changed the world. It That's re- right. It really did. He talks about, you know, we want to talk about being fellow co-laborers, you know, laboring together. What does it mean to be a fellow laborer or a co-laborer? Well, Rick, it it means a co-laborer or a companion in labor, a fellow helper, um, a worker, a laborer together, a work fellow. (laughs) So 
All right. And, and what that is telling us is that there is a, a special level of fellowship when we get shoulder to shoulder and work together, especially in the work of the gospel. Romans 6, verse 3, verse 9, and verse 21 are all about co-laboring. Lots of great names here for you, Jonathan. I thought of oh, you when we put this verse down. Thank you so much. Oh, any, anytime. I anything really for my friend. I appreciate it. Good friend. Uh, <laughs> greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved, and Timotheus, my fellow worker, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosi Patter, my kinsman, salute you. See, all of those things, my helper, my helper, my work fellow, these are all descriptions that the apostle is using for very specific individuals. And he's saying, they are, cold, they are shoulder to shoulder with me, and they are very special as a result. And when you co-labor with somebody, truly co-labor, that, you're vulnerable. There's, go ahead. And Rick, when he sends one of these co-laborers to a church to carry on the work, that is someone you need to listen to because he put his stamp of approval on this person's heart and mind and love for the Lord. So you want to get everything you can from somebody like that. It, that's a great, great point. And, and, and it's because they worked with him and they were in the trenches with him. And that's what made their friendship and their fellowship so strong. See, fellowship is not shaking hands on Sunday saying, oh, how'd you do, you know, what kind of experience did you have this week? It is getting into the life of someone else. It's working side by side, sweating through the difficulties and sharing the, the defeats and the victories together. Uh, let, let's go to a verse, uh, a, another song, John, uh, Jonathan. You've got a friend in me, okay? And everybody's heard that song. But this is sung by Claire Ryan and her dad. Now, the thing is, Claire is only four years old. So this is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, her dad starts th this verse, so be patient. You're going to hear the four-year-old. It's just This is just good stuff. you got a friend you got a friend Rough ahead and you're miles and miles from a nice warm bed. You just remember what your old pal said. Yeah, you got a friend in me. Girl, you got a friend in me. Can that little girl sing? <laughs> nice. That's pretty awesome. And, you know what a great thing to teach a child. You know the, 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 what what deep true friendship is, and a great way to teach them is through song. Jonathan, before we continue, there was a, an article that uh, Trish Trish has here um, that we just wanted to share a couple of paragraphs from. Trish, how you doing? Oh, I'm just doing fine. So where's this article from, and what's it say? Uh, this is U.S. News and World Report. The title is "The Loneliness Effect on Public Health." 
It says, feeling sad, lonely, and useless is more than just an emotional quagmire for millions of Americans. Researchers now contend that social isolation and loneliness may represent a greater public health hazard than obesity or a near pack-a-day smoking habit. And the problem is growing. An AARP loneliness study published in 2010 and now being updated reported that approximately 42.6 million U.S. adults ages 45 and older were suffering from loneliness. And and a 2018 Cigna survey indicates that Generation Z, adults between ages 18 and 22, may be the loneliest group of Americans. Additionally, census data reveal that more than one-fourth of Americans live alone, and more than half are unmarried, with marriage rates and the number of children per household steadily declining. Great, thanks for that. I know, after that other song, which so so great, now get this. Well, you know what? <laughs> Sometimes you got to look at both sides of the issue. you gotta, you got to see it from both ends, and it's really important to understand how important it is to get yourself involved in intimate friendship. So, Jonathan. And, and who was the author, Rick? Well, it was U.S. News and World Report. Do you have the, the author? Um, she'll, 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 yeah, go ahead, Trish. Okay. Hold on. Uh, the author is Barbara Sadek, uh, Barbara Sadek, contributor. Okay, Barbara Sadek, S-A-D-E-K? S-A-D-I-C-K. I-C-K, okay. Thank you. Okay, so so Jonathan, we talked about the loneliness thing. What are some practical ways that we can be appropriately vulnerable to each other? Well, Rick, uh, let me share a personal experience on how I found a true friend because of his vulnerability. It was the first time I met you. Okay. <laughs> we were in Upper State New York at a Bible seminar, which I was attending for the first time. I didn't know anyone um, at the campground other than the two brothers uh, from Delaware that brought me. Now, Rick, you came up to me and introduced yourself and told me one of the experiences you just came from. It was a family matter that was so overwhelming and difficult. You told me how you had to be strong and supportive and how hard it really was. I mean, real hard. And I was blown away after just meeting you that you were so open and vulnerable. And I felt an instant bond with you. And our friendship has basically grown from there. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, sometimes you have a connection with people. And, the, when, and, and, you know, it sounds corny, folks, but you know what? It's true. Uh, I drove up the, in the driveway, and I was the director of the, of the seminar and had a lot of responsibility. And Jonathan, I had never met, and he's there. And I saw this guy, and I looked in, I, I a, I looked in your eyes, and there was something powerful that I wanted to know. And, you know, the rest is history. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And I was very comfortable telling you something that was really, really, really incredibly difficult at that time. So, yeah, no, vulnerability is such an important thing. I, I had forgotten that until you just mentioned that. Thank you. Well, thank you for being vulnerable, Rick. Well, thank you for being my friend. You know, a true friend is selfless in his joy and support for his friend. John the Baptist, John the co-laborer, 
was very vulnerable as a friend. And Jonathan, we're running way behind in time-wise in this segment. So I'm just going to sum up these verses. John, you know, um, his, his, his disciples were, were, were saying that, um, well, he was being questioned. He was being questioned, I'm sorry, about, you know, Jesus. Jesus is, is gathering followers and he's baptizing and, you know, he seems to be increasing. And, and, and you know, what do you think about that? And John's response to that was really, really wonderful. You know, his response was, look, I've told you, I'm not, I'm not the Christ. I've told you, I've, I'm here to point to him. I'm, I'm the, the, the friend of the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom is there, I rejoice. I am happy. And he's saying, I have to decrease. That's my role. My role is to increase him. And that just gives you a sense, and this is John chapter 3, 26 to 30, of the power of the friendship and the bond and the vulnerability that John and Jesus had, even though you don't see them together very often. They were about their father's business, and they both knew it, and they both knew who the other was, and they respected their roles, and they worked to get the other to be as successful as they possibly could. And Rick, John had been very positive. Look, Messiah is here. Repent. You know, he'd been so consistent, and he said, remember, behold the Lamb of God. Now look how vulnerable he was when he said those words. I must decrease. And you're right. It, it was a strong vulnerability, and it really was. You've got a friend in me. You know, you do have a friend in me and a supporter in me, and, 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 and it gives us a sense, a scriptural sense of, of friendship. Let's go back quickly to um, the, uh, uh, the last verse of You've Got a Friend in Me with uh, little uh, Claire Ryan, four years old, singing with her dad. Some other folks might be a little bit smarter than I am Bigger and stronger too But none of them will ever love you the way I do It's just me and you, girl And as the years go by Our friendship will never die You want to be that kind of friend to others. And, and Jonathan, we're running late on this segment. So, you know, co-laboring and vulnerability are all tied up together in the next experience of Paul and Silas, Acts 16, 22 to 25. We won't read the verses, but they're in prison for preaching the gospel. And they've just been beaten severely. And they're there in prison together. And they're wounded and hurt. And what are they doing? They're singing and praying and praising God, and the prisoners were all listening. What an example. Vulnerability, working together, shoulder to shoulder, co-laboring, and, you know, the rest is history. The Friendship Foundation thought here, Jonathan, is what? Willingness to be vulnerable is a willingness to be ridiculed as well as a willingness to be joined with others in co-laboring beyond our individual capacities. So vulnerability is willingness to be ridiculed as well as willingness to be joined to others. So it's a mixed bag, and that's why it's so difficult, and that's why it's so important. So like it or not, vulnerability is not only a part of successful friendship and fellowship, it is crucial. 
So co-laboring makes us better, more vulnerable, and more valuable friends. How far do we go with this? There's a lot of talk program topics out there. If you're burnt out on Capitol Hill and Trump, don't worry. We never go there. But if you're looking for unique ways to look at the Bible, we'll make you think about how today's world ties into Scripture like you've never thought about before. Thanks for listening, and get ready for us to take a deeper dive right now. So how far do we go for our true friends? Do we really believe what Jesus said about the greatest love we can have is to lay down our lives for our friends? Let's look at a practical application of taking friendship to the next level of loyalty. This will not this will only happen rather when positivity, consistency and vulnerability are truly truly in place. Proverbs 27:17 to get us started. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And really that's the way it needs to be. You know, the sharpening process is not necessarily comfortable, but the results are, are, are exquisite because when you come out as a sharp tool, you can do the job. So very, very important. And, you know, we've talked about positivity and consistency and vulnerability as the three keys to developing intimate, intimate friendships. Let's go back to Shasta Nelson in her TED Talk on Friendtimacy, the three requirements. And now she's going to talk a little bit about uh, loneliness, which we've already touched on several times. When we are lonely, it is not because we need to add more people to the triangle. While some of us may be in that situation, the most of us, when we're lonely, it is not for needing to add more people. It's for actually needing to move some people up. Because remember, friendship is not something we discover. So I can't sit there and say, oh, I have an opening at the top of my triangle. Let me put out a little job hiring sign and audition you. And oh, you have two kids. I only have three. I'm like, oh, da, da, da. And we play all these games. And like, oh, do a little tap dance. Oh, she was funny. I like her. I'm, yeah, we're going to be best friends. We don't get to like put people in there based on whether we like them. This triangle is not about how much we like somebody. This triangle is about how much we practice the three requirements of friendship with somebody. And the only way we get somebody to the top of this triangle is by developing those relationships, by practicing these three things. So to overcome loneliness, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be consistent, and you have to be positive and find others who are in that same situation, and that's how you can grow into it. Simon Sinek says some really important things about friendship. Here's a good quote. The strong bond of friendship is not always a balanced equation. Friendship is not always about giving and taking in equal shares. Instead, friendship is grounded in a feeling that you know exactly who will be there for you when you need something, no matter what or when. And, you know, I I love that because it says it's not always equal. So just because you may be doing more giving doesn't mean that you should say, okay, I've given for 27 minutes now. Let me, you know, get back for 27 minutes. I'm going to watch the clock. That's not what it is. And if that's the way you're thinking, incidentally, you're not a true friend. Okay, it's a matter of fulfilling the needs of our friends to help them along. You know, the saying a friend in need is a friend indeed. And... um, 2 Samuel chapter 15, verses 13 to 15, recounts when Absalom, David's son, rebelled against David, who was king, and David was forced to run for his life. 
So he and his household did. Now Absalom is trying to take the throne from him, and he's his son, and this is breaking David's heart. Second Samuel chapter 15, let's jump down now to verses 30 to 34, and we're going to go through selected parts of these verses. Listen to the, the broken hardness of, of the description of David, and then the friend that appears in this story. And David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, and wept as he went, and his head was covered, and he walked barefoot. Now someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O Lord, I pray, make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. As David was coming to the summit, behold, Hushai met him with his coat torn and dust on his head. David said to him, You return to the city and say to Absalom, I will be your servant, O king as I have been your father's servant in times past, so I will now be your servant. Then you can thwart the counsel of Ahithophel for me. Now, Ahithophel had been one of David's close friends and one of his best counselors, and he had betrayed him. There's a story behind that. We're not going to get into that at this point. Hushai was a very close friend of David's as well, and he comes and he catches up with David, and he's mourning with him. And he's got his clothes torn and dust on his head. He's showing his outward feeling of grief for his friend. And David says, go into his camp. You've got to stop Ahithophel because he's betraying us. And Ahithophel is very wise. And and this is not going to end well for us. I need your help. So he's asking his friend to go into his enemy's camp, become a trusted advisor in that camp to thwart the advice of somebody else. That's a true friend. And they know they were good friends, yes. so would he be trusted in that enemy camp? Right, right. So this is a very dangerous, life-threatening mission that David is asking Hushai to perform. So we're going we're gonna to come back to it in just a moment. Let's go to another song, because, you know, part of friendship is the, 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 the emotional, the connectedness emotionally we have with one another. And, you know, the song, uh, You've Got a Friend from Carol King from way back. Um, well, this version of that song has Carol King singing and Celine Dion and Shania Twain and Gloria Estefan. So we just want to hear a little bit of the first verse of that, You've Got a Friend, because that's what we're talking about. And friendship is so critically, intimate friendship is so critically important. When you're down and troubled and you need some loving care and nothing, nothing is going right. Oh, baby, close your eyes and think of me and soon I'll Brighten up even the darkest nights. Oh, yeah, yeah. you just call out my name, and you know wherever I am, I'll come running. Oh, yes, you will, and I will to see you again. 
You know, think about being the friend that that's about. You need something, just just let me know, and I'll be there. You know, it's not a matter of, well, how important is it? Let me check my schedule. You know, I've got a, I've got, I was supposed to go out for frozen yogurt tonight. You know, it, it, it's about just responding because the bond is so strong. So based on that, Jonathan, what are some practical ways that we can, be appro- we can appropriately lay down our lives for each other and, and with that depth of intimate friendship? Well, Rick, I'm going to echo those sentiments that you just shared. Be there for each other. We should listen intently and be willing to change plans at the drop of a hat. Give of our time and talents. Pray for them and pray with them. Now, If they need, study with them when they have a concern. Now, we need to be honest, sincere, and genuine. Share with others uh, what they need, and that could be a myriad of different things. Be willing to step out of our comfort zone when called upon. It's not going to be easy at times, but they're a friend. We need to to do it. um, If it doesn't feel, I think, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice, Rick, when it's for a friend, because it's a privilege to lay down your life for them. You, you, you're right. You're right. It, it, it is. It, and it, it's not. It's a it, it's it's a of course, I'll be there. You know, what can I do? And it, if we have never had that experience, then find a friend that you can position yourself with positivity and consistency and vulnerability. So you can have that experience because it's so meaningful. And Rick, when someone gives uh me help, you know, it's such a blessing and comfort and is greatly appreciated. So why wouldn't I in turn want to do that for them? You know, and, and, and or for another, you know, it's pay it forward. You know, that, that's part of this. Let, let's go back to um, the situation with Hushai, David's friend. He's going to go now into the enemy camp. So Absalom meets with Ahithophel, David's former advisor, who's very, very wise, to plot against David. Hushai shows up and professes loyalty, and Absalom responds. This is 2 Samuel chapter 16, verses 17 through 20. Absalom said to Hushai, Is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? So Absalom immediately is suspicious. Okay, what's up with this? What does Hushai say? Then Hushai said to Absalom, No, for whom the Lord, this people, and all the men of Israel have chosen, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Besides, whom shall I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son, as I have served in your father's presence, so I will be in your presence? Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, Give your advice. What shall we do? So Ahithophel will respond, and he's going to give very immoral counsel, and Hushai is going to sit, stand, stand there and listen. So Hushai wins their trust. Now, he's there to represent David. He's there, in, and this is an act of war, Jonathan. The, 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 the rising up of Absalom is an act of war against the anointed of God. Hushai is there to protect the anointed of God. So he plants himself as a trusted advisor in this situation. 
incredibly dangerous and life-threatening. But his friend, David, asked him to, and without hesitation, he went. That gives you a sense of a deep, deep friendship. Let's go back to that song, uh, You've Got a Friend, one more time with those incredible voices. You know, I, I love music, and it, it, it helps to transform, you know, rottenness to goodness and, and all of that stuff. And when you hear that, you know, don't, don't, don't let them take your soul. Don't let them take your very being from you. I want to help to support you in whatever the difficulty is that you're in. What a great example. Absolutely, Rick. And, and you know, folks, make it more than a song. Make it the reality of your life. Positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. Let's get back to Second Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 through 14. Again, we're going to really condense this way, way down. So these verses tell us that Ahithophel, remember David's advisor, further asks for 12,000 men to go and hunt David down that very night. Okay, Absalom and the elders liked the plan, but Hushai spoke convincingly against it because he knows that that would take David by surprise. So let's hear what Hushai has to say. So Hushai said to Absalom, this time the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good. So Hushai then lays out another plan that better feeds the ego of Absalom and also protects David, who is the Lord's anointed. Verses 14 and on. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. So they took uh, um, Hushai's advice rather than Ahithophel's. David's life was spared, and Absalom ends up dying. And, you know, and, and, you know it's a sad story, because it's, it's about war, it's about betrayal, and it's about all of those things. But underneath it, you have a friend putting his life on the line for his friend, being vulnerable and being brave and courageous and wanting to protect somebody who was important because he knew he was the Lord's anointed. So what's friendship's foundation here, Jonathan? We can in many ways lay down our lives for one another. And in the case of, of Hushai, it was for the purpose of protecting his friend, the Lord's anointed. So like you had mentioned, there are lots and lots of ways that we can lay down our lives for one another. Lots of ways. It doesn't have to be the big Hushai movement here. It can be something much smaller. It can be just being available. It can be listening and picking up on somebody when they don't say something. 
You know, there's so many ways that we can become vulnerable and enter into somebody else's vulnerability. That's what friendship is. Be a friend and then see what it's like to have a friend. You know, but take the steps first. But, you know, Jonathan, in terms of Hushai, it's examples like this that make you realize how deep, life-changing, and profound true friendship can be. What is the bottom line? How can we develop the strongest, longest-lasting friendship of our lives? Before we turn the page, we wanted to tell you about CQ Rewind. It's a free weekly service provided by our great team of contributors who help the guys prepare for each episode. It's an in-depth look at their research, scripture, and much more, showing you the map of Rick and Jonathan's content journey. Now let's continue finding out the better answers as we ask the better questions. The bottom line here is actually a very thrilling one. There is a way to develop friendship that has eternal value. If our positivity is based upon things that are eternal, then our consistency will have better reason to be in place and our vulnerability will always be for good, it will be for growth-oriented reasons. So what we want to focus on in this segment is not only having friends. Friends are good, but develop friends and fellowship that have that eternal potential, that eternal value. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 9 through 10 and then verse 12. Good place for us to get started. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. And if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. So you have that give and take, that give and take between two. And then at the end it says a cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. And you, know, and you think, okay, wait, wait, it, it's that, th- those two, but what's the third strand? Well, Rick, it's God in that equation. Yeah. And, and, and you know, we started out with being friendly toward God by being godly. If our friendships are godly, that's the third strand in that cord that is not quickly torn apart. That's the kind of friendship that has the ability to last forever, literally forever. And that, to me, that's a thrilling, thrilling kind of a thing. Let's go to our last soundbite from Shasta Nelson in her TED Talk on friendtimacy, the three requirements of all healthy friendships. I can guarantee you that any relationship in your life that is not fulfilling It is because at least one of these three requirements is lacking. You can look at any relationship in your life and identify, oh yeah, that one, well, we hardly ever see each other. It always feels good when we've got the positivity and the, yeah, but it's because we don't consistency. Or, oh yeah, and you can kind of quickly start identifying exactly which one of these would make the biggest difference for moving your relationships. Your vast network of so many people, it is not that you are lonely from lack of people. It's you're lonely for intimacy, for friendtimacy, and we have the power to move those relationships up. That loneliness is your body saying, I want more connection. And that is one of the most beautiful messages you could ever receive. You know, and that's a great way to look at it. Loneliness is your body telling you, I need more connection. I need more intimacy. And look, intimacy is way bigger 
than sexual intimacy. Let's understand that, and let's, again, put it in perspective. We're talking about the intimacy of true, deep, abiding friendship. That's what we're talking about. And, you know, her point is, I guarantee you, if you put the positivity and the consistency and the vulnerability in place and two people are working on those same lines, you will find that intimacy. And that's a great, great place to go. It really is. Quote from Bill Watterson. Things are never quite as scary when you've got a best friend. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I think about that, and I think about the uh, when we first started with the radio broadcast 20 <laughs> years ago, and we're sitting yeah. in the studio that first first time, and oh, it's like, scary. <laughs> it was, but it was a whole lot easier, because you're sitting next to me, it's like, okay, <laughs> five seconds, no! <laughs> but you know, when you're doing, and, and, and that's why Jesus sent them out two by two. That's why the Apostle Paul didn't go out solo. It was always with, it was, you know, with Silas or with Barnabas going together because that makes it able to overcome things you never could have before. So very powerful, powerful lessons here for us in terms of being friends, true friends, fellowship on a deep, deep level. Jonathan, we want to begin to wrap this up by looking at one of the wonderful, most inspiring teachings of Jesus, I think, and that's the illustration of the vine and the branches. Uh, and, and this, I think, in, in the context of our conversation, is a secret to literally everlasting friendship and relationships. So we're going to look at John chapter 15, verses 1 to 9. We're going to take it in pieces and just go through these verses about the vine and the branches. This is the night before Jesus' crucifixion, so it's a very tender intimate time with he and his disciples because he's on his way to Gethsemane where he is going to be betrayed. And he's with them and this is the story that he tells them. And he begins with telling them about spiritual positivity. This is like what Shasta Nelson was talking about and vulnerability in verses one through three. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he lifts up. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So he starts out by talking to them, saying, I'm the vine, God's the vine dresser, and you are the branches. And so there's a great positive message here. You're connected to me, and God takes care of us. I don't know how more positive you can be than that. That's amazing. What a privilege. And and then it talks about vulnerability. It talks about pruning. Uh, pruning is cutting. Cutting's not comfortable. It hurts. But it creates growth. So he talks about positivity and vulnerability right at the beginning of the story. Okay. Then he goes into spiritual consistency in verses, in, in verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. You know, how many times did it say abide in those verses? Four times, sir. <laughs> you know, and, and to abide is a picture of consistency. Oh, that's a good point. That's what it is. It's consistent. Abide in me. Stay with me. Live here. Let me abide. Stay. Live there with you. That's what he's talking about. So we've got the positivity and the vulnerability and the consistency 
already wrapped up at the beginning of the story. And then the last part of uh, verse uh, verse five is what? For apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's vulnerability again. He's saying, be careful. Be careful. Because outside of the nourishment that you get from me, you're not going to get very far. Because you're supposed to be a follower of Christ. You're supposed to be connected to me. You've got to know where you live. Know where you abide. Let's go to another another piece of music, Jonathan. This is from Watermark. And the song is More Than You'll Ever Know. We're just going to go through a couple of verses here. And the message of the song is, I appreciate you because basically when I see you, I see God. I see God in you. You pray for me. You stand for me. You help me. And that's what we need to be for one another in our Christian walk. Something brought you to my mind today. I thought about the funny ways you made me laugh. And yet I feel like it's okay to cry with you. Something about just being with you. That when I leave, I feel like I've been near God. And that's the way it ought to be. know you've been more than a friend to me you've spoken truth to me you stood for me and and you know those are the things and you mentioned some of those things earlier when you're you know to to be vulnerable to to help others to tell them the truth because it's so important that our friendship and our vulnerability relies entirely on something that high and that powerful it's got to be godly truth there's lots of worldly truth but it's not going to bring you nearly as far as godly truth will bring you, especially in terms of friendship. So let, let's go back to uh, John chapter 15, uh, the vine and the branches. And already we've seen spiritual positivity and vulnerability and consistency you know, mentioned. Let's go into verses 6 through 9. Uh, and, and what we're going to see is all three of those aspects are going to be actually repeated in these verses. It's going to start with vulnerability in verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Okay, that's a, that's a tough vulnerability, but it's important to understand that we're there to bear fruit. And if we, we aren't going to bear fruit, we, we don't belong as part of that, that vine and branch picture. So there is a vulnerability because that's what you're there to do. Then he goes into the consistency because guess what word comes up again? Abide. That's right. You got it. <laughs> Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You think about that. Abide in me and I abide in you. You can ask whatever's on your heart and mind and it'll be done. There has got to be such a connection to be able to make that statement. That That's statement, for sure. It, you don't make that statement lightly. No way. Okay. And then there's positivity in verses 8 and 9. My father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. There it is again. You know, And so the, the, it's so important to, to end with that positivity. And it's interesting that this story essentially begins 
with the positivity and ends with the positivity because it puts it all in a wonderful, wonderful perspective. One more verse of that song, More Than You'll Ever Know, uh, from Watermark, because it just puts it in place. As Christians, this is the kind of friend that you want this person to be singing about you because you've been that kind of friend to them. So again, let's just listen and get the sense of the profound effect true friendship, intimate friendship has. You know, again, you want to be the person that, that that person is singing about. You know, you had faith when I didn't have any. When I was without strength, you were you helped me to have strength. You, you prayer mentioned prayer again. You know that, that you've been on your knees for me, and, and it's funny, Jonathan. It's not funny. It's profound. We, you and I, before the podcast, were talking about a circumstance, and you said to me very plainly, "You know, I pray for you, brother." That's right. And, and, see, and that's the kind of friendship we're talking about. You know, you've been more than a friend. You've, you've, you, you helped to fight off my enemies. It, there's this standing, and that friendship becomes so powerful and so moving, and it creates so much more energy than one individual could possibly have on their own. And that's, again, why in the Scriptures it says go two by two. Don't ever... Try to do things on your own. Bring fellowship. Bring co-laboring. Bring those things with you because God is stronger in more than one of us. I just, I just, uh, Jonathan, it's just powerful stuff. And Rick, in marriage, be equally yoked. Yeah. Same concept. Yes, yes. Have the same basis for your life because that creates a friendship that is unbreakable. So, Let's recap John chapter 15 based on those three ingredients of intimate friendship, positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. And you know, Jonathan, when I was going through this, I, I kind of looked at it and said, oh, you know what? Each of these three things is actually mentioned three times in these verses, and it shows a growth with each one. So I think this is really cool, just a little, like a little sidelight, interesting thing. So positivity on three levels. Um, what's the first one? As one who is young, we live in the right place. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The second level, as one who's growing, we're cared for by the right vine dresser. God is there. And the third one? And one who is mature, we bring glory to God. So there's positivity in all levels of your life. Consistency on three levels. What's the first? As one who is young, fruit bearing is possible. 
Okay, so it's possible. You've got to get started. It's possible. As one who's growing, bearing much fruit is possible. And what's the third? And as one who is mature, our will becomes the will of God. And that's a powerful thing. So consistency can bring us in our lives to a place where my will is God's will. That's amazing. And again, it comes back to be friendly with God. So then vulnerability is also in these verses on three levels. What's the first one? As one who is young, weakness and worldliness are confronted. Okay, you confront them. You know, the the branches that don't bear fruit, he lifts up. He has to deal with them. Uh, Secondly, as one who is growing, deeper focus is encouraged and developed. And then what's the third? As one who is seriously falling, there can be failure, but not because our care was lacking. The vine dresser never lacks in his care for us. We just sometimes don't respond. So we've got positivity, consistency, and vulnerability. We've got God and Jesus both in these in these pictures here. Last verse, Jonathan, Galatians 6, verses 2 and 3. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So it's a pretty simple thing. Bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. Our final friendship foundation is? The best friendship is a co-laboring fellowship in Christ, for its basis is eternally positive. Its consistency is found in spiritual growth, and its vulnerability is all for good. So it's all there. Eternally positive, consistency is in spiritual growth, and the vulnerability always brings strength to both of the friends. Folks, it's so important for us to be a friend to others, to be that kind of friend that will be there, that will be willing to stand, that will be willing to sacrifice themselves, because that's what Jesus did for us. That's our example. Let's live up to that example. Let's apply friendship. Let's can the loneliness thing, and let's look for true intimacy in our friendships in the world in which we live. It's possible, and as by God's grace, we can do that. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, be a friend. Think about it. Folks, listen, we truly want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us, review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, have you lost confidence in your spiritual leaders? That's next week. We'll talk to you then.